This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is the Book Riot Podcast. I am Jeff O'Neill. And I am Rebecca Shinsky. We're coming to you. Today is Thursday, February 15th, 2024. I am a little hoarse still, maybe you can hear, post-COVID. Got a lot of news to talk about, some follow-up about coincidences, how bad Argyle was, adaptation <laughs> news, Spotify's audiobook sales, uh, some book banning stuff, and maybe some front list Foye, Rebecca, how are you? Feels like it's been a while since we've recorded. It has. I mean, it's been a week. couple weeks. Yes, yeah, a couple of weeks, I guess. You know. Down and out. I have a pile of things for front list foyer, so I would like okay. to make a point to get there. I'm, you know, I'm I can preview stuck. mine for you right now. I read nary okay. a word. Nothing. <laughs> I was going I read to nothing ask last week. If you had, it seems like folks have like one of two kinds of COVID, and one is the flavor yeah. where you just read a ton of like comfort things, and one is the flavor where. You don't read at all. You maybe just like watch some crap on TV. So it's sounding like I watched twenty three movies over the last oh, week. Wow. So I got up, caught okay. up on a lot of movies. I was downstairs in the basement isolating like a good little mm-hmm, soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a. I was pretty sick. I mean, you know, I, I think you I sounded pretty bad I, last week. To my knowledge, have not had COVID before, and so I'd always been kind of waiting. But I'd expected to have more of a more of a cold like, and I had more of a flu like. But I'm fortunate. Mm-hmm. I got all. I have all 70 of my vaccine boosters at this point, so uh, <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine if I had raw-dogged COVID uh, what my reaction would have been. I don't think but you want to do that, no. No, no one wants to do that, but uh, thank you for covering for me. Uh, thank you of for the course. well wishes uh, when I think I do appreciate people. What were your uh, uh, movie wondering highlights? Well, let's go the, we'll do the, well, I'll, I'll save that okay. for foyer, so I'm not right. just we'll do um, the ventriloquist dummy. Yeah, entertainment Sorry. corner, or media diet. Uh, when we get started, uh, let's see, coming up, on the Patreon next, we're doing our mailbag plus mm-hmm. recommendation requests. So we're going to record that right after this, and we'll go up for Patreons shortly thereafter. There will be a preview in the regular feed if you're interested in that. Go read us on Today in Books, Rebecca's Better Living Through Books. First edition is coming back. I am delayed. I have one in the can to release next week, and then have some guests and stuff coming up. I had to delay some things I was very excited to some interviews. I was very excited to record last week. I'll say no more because otherwise you uh, jinx them actually getting rescheduled. But going to get back in the groove, I think probably two episodes a month for a while for first edition. Great. Um, and uh, really excited to see. So stick around for that. It's not going Patreon only. It is coming back. I have been sick and other things have been happening, but we'll get into a regular yeah. groove there. And uh, while we're self-promoting, go ahead and subscribe to the Book Riot Podcast newsletter. Mm. It's brpod.substack.com. We'll have a link in the show notes. We're having a good time over there. Every couple weeks, one of us sends out a newsletter. It has links to the recent episodes. It also has insidery stuff. This time around, I tossed out a recommendation request from a Patreon member that I didn't have a good answer to. I had exhausted my resources. Folks shared some ideas in the comments, did a little preview of some of my front list foyer there because I needed to talk to somebody else who's read the same book I've read. Right. We're having a good time. The comments are turned on for everybody because we trust the podcast listeners to behave themselves. So, And probably the single best of the moment pun I have made in Slack. Yeah. Um, Rebecca captured input in there. <laughs> really incredible stuff. I, I did go back and check the timestamp and there is not even a minute between when I say the thing that I say and when you deliver, at, at least in your top five puns yeah. of our now 13 year long acquaintance so. there wasn't a lot of leftover opportunity cost for the punning situation even 17 seconds later um let me just read a re- i'll use this as a review one of the comments in on the <laughs> newsletter was 
This email is a goddamn delight. So I don't know what else to say. Go check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes there where you can subscribe, um, keep up, and we'll play with it as we go. But so yeah, far. Yeah, we're having fun. So good. All right, let's do a sponsor break and then get into some other stuff. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Okay, I did save a couple of listener emails for the show. I'm trying to figure out what the right use of these things is. So the the kinds of emails that have been going into the um, newsletter so far is like maybe not as discussion worthy. Not discussion worthy, but like not a lot for us to say, kind of information sharing, Mm -hmm. um, examples, you know, kind of weird stuff. But we did ask about coincidences the last time we recorded. You were, I think it was in relation to Martyr. Is that right? Yes, yes, we were talking about that. Mm -hmm. And we kind of wondered in aloud about why some coincidences feel like authorial interventions and some of them don't. Why we bump on some of them and some of them we do not. So got a couple of emails, both of them citing experts of some of some kind. Mm, I don't have affirmative that. I don't have affirmative consent, so I won't use names. Okay. But the dis- uh, your discussion reminded me of something that I once read in Robert McKee's nonfiction book Story. He wrote that a guideline for writing screenplays is a coincidence is acceptable as a major driver of the plot if it occurs in the first third of the movie. Oh, Yet, interesting. if it occurs in the later two-thirds of a movie and some substantially impacts the plot, audiences will find that unacceptable. Okay. So, no, it does, there's, this is also very, thank you, writer, for writing this. I really appreciate that this is interesting. So, no suggestion of why this might be. Um, I think... My smell test here enjoys this kind of distinction. Yeah, I think that makes sense to me. I'm thinking about like in Martyr, it happens late in the book. The the Uh coincidence is kind of the thing that ties everything together. And I've gotten some messages from other folks who were either like, yes, I had the same feeling about the coincidence or it bothered me, but not enough to like take me off the book because the writing was so good. And like, I I get that. No deductions. No deductions. Yeah, I get that. Um, But there are, you know, like coincidences drive rom-coms and they happen usually at the beginning. And it's like, oh, you just bumped into each other or you just happen to both be at this person's wedding or the same event. And, you know, all those kinds of like, it, it must be fate. And when it's the inciting incident, I do have a lot more time for it for like okay that's how it's starting but then the rest of the plot is going to move organically or naturally or you know unfold without a lot of what feels like that authorial intervention of like hey look over here isn't this a nice trick um so that's interesting what's the other one did somebody else so that's one yes i have got another one for you um and this is um also what a name drop here remember talking to my mentor richard ford so this is not again i (laughs) What, what well flex. done. Incredible stuff here, really. Um, and Ford said that writer's task is to be so good, the reader is completely absorbed in the narrative to the point that the coincidence is yes. fully believed. Mm. He, believe, he, he said having the narrative acknowledge the coincidence unlikely nature helps assuage doubts by the reader. It shows that the narrative is aware of the unlikeliness, which helps the events feel more believable. Smart. That makes Thought sense. Thought that tidbit of advice would be easy to share. Yeah. So I think that's... I, I think... So... I think what we've got here 
is an emerging theory of the swallowability of coincidences. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think any one of these things is determinative, but let's say, for example, that you have a coincidence in the last third of a book that is unacknowledged and you do not handle it well. You're going to be more likely to bump on a coincidence happens early in the book that maybe the coincidence is acknowledged both intratextually and metatextually by the narrator of the characters. And it is sort of somewhat more seamless. Now, what does it mean to handle a coincidence well? I don't have any idea what that might mean. How do you frame it? How Know it when you see it. Because not all, co- I mean, everything is a coincidence. I mean, I don't want to get college like we're high talking to each other <laughs> on Friday night. But like everything is, right? There's a really good Amer- yes, This American sure. Life episode about this. I mean, yeah, your so mom officiated my wedding. So, yes. Right. Thing, weird stuff does happen. But everything is not equally unlikely. And so I do think there is a spectrum of likeliness that the farther to one end you reach probably doesn't help. Because mm-hmm. um, I was thinking, yeah. too, about When Harry Met Sally, right? Because that's mm-hmm. multiple run-ins. And mm-hmm. here's what I was thinking about. The coincidence, the final coincidence is them running into each other once Billy Crystal's been divorced, finally, right? Yeah. I, I see someone staring at you in personal growth. They run into each other mm-hmm. several times, which I think also makes it less, I think it makes it seem more likely they'll run each other again. I wasn't thinking uh-huh. about this this morning. Yeah, even though it's not, like, it's no more likely because they've run into it randomly before. But I mean, it has that Nora Ephron New York vibe. So you feel like they live in the same neighborhood. They go to the same places. It's not. Yes, but I've lived in New York into- and running into someone, you know, I lived there for 12 years and I don't think I ran into someone I know, but like once in 12 yeah. years, let alone the same person. A lot three of people times. in New York. Yeah. And, 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 but, but going back to this one, Billy Crystal acknowledges in the city of eight million people, I ran into mm-hmm. her. Now again, that's mm-hmm. not that's not Meg Ryan. That's um, uh, Helen, right? His yeah. uh, ex-wife. Mm-hmm. So that these that coincidences seem apart, and then also you have those interstitial acted coincidence relationships. So the whole movie is basically, I guess, gaslighting you into believing that coincidence, <laughs> unlikely things are much more likely than they are. This week on the Book Riot podcast, movies are just gaslighting. Well, or, or they're they're warming you up to the idea. They're they making are. it seem less estranging that some mm-hmm. coincidence, unlikely coincidence, by saying, well, this kind of stuff happens. Or, on the other hand, my story is about a coincidence. Now, that I think is an interesting idea. Yes. It's like, I know it's a coincidence, but if there was, this coincidence happens and the whole thing is revolving around that. Otherwise, but where if it comes in the third, I think that's why if it comes in the last mm-hmm. third of a book, it feels more heavy handed because yes. the book already has a reason for existing well, other right, than the coincidence. It, it feels a lot less earned when it comes yeah. late in the book. It feels like it, it's just Deus much more, machina. Yeah, yeah, it's just much more likely to take me as a reader out of a story. And I think those t- the two theories that the folks shared with us together really do add up to like at least what my response to Martyr was that it happens late in the book. They mm. don't really acknowledge what a coincidence it is, like how unlikely this thing was to have happened. There's maybe like one line about it, but it is a huge coincidence that should be a very big deal. Um, yeah. And that's just a big swing for a debut writer to take. Like, I think also maybe something that's in between the lines of these pieces of advice is that this is something that takes a whole lot of skill with fiction. And it's maybe, you know, that's not like 101 level. You can go for this when you've written a couple other successful novels that do the basics in a really sound way. Just it felt like a little too big of a swing for me. It took me out of the story. Mm hmm. And I've thought about it a lot since then because the language is really beautiful and he does a lot of great stuff with the book. And I kind of think that it would work better if the whole thing opened with the reveal. If from the very Ah. beginning, you knew what that thing was kind of like, you know, the secret history does this a whole bunch of other Mm -hmm. things that we love do this where like the reveal is done. So the the 300 some odd pages are not about figuring out like, oh my gosh, what is this reveal going to be? Instead, you can just unfold how this thing happened. And if he had spent those 300 pages doing a like, how could this have occurred? I think we could have gotten to the same ideas, but in a play in a way that would have felt a lot more smooth to me. That I just don't to, like to see the strings being pulled. And that, I really that speaks them. to an, another theory that I have of synthesizing some of these threads, which I think we're more likely to, give leeway to a coincidence coincidence that initiates action, tension, yes. or conflict than mm-hmm. one that resolves it. Yeah. Just 
because that's the reason deter for the whole work is like look at this strange thing look at this uh i guess to tip look at look at this anatomy of a fall right mm-hmm. we're trying did to unravel this i did watch it last week um we're trying to figure out what happened and it's mm-hmm. unlikeliness and in mystery again if there was some coincidence that resolved at the end and i'm not i guess i'm trying not to spoil this it would feel different but the initiating coincidence is this really strange thing that happened exactly so i thought i thought that was worth and thank you so much to those two yeah, writers thank you, and, listeners. And i really appreciated That's that we got some good stuff good food for thought yeah yeah, and if you have examples of coinky dinks, I guess is the technical dinks. term for this. Yes. It's, been, it's been probably forty years since I used the term coinky <laughs> dink. Uh, of of coincidences that you thought worked well or didn't work, and we could put them through the old ringer here and see if they if our heuristic for uh, the success rates of coincidences mm. uh, holds yeah. at all. We need like a grand unified theory of this and some kind of rating scale where like on the yeah. lowest end, it's something like, and it turns out that they were related the whole time. And the right. high end is something, you know, highly unlikely that gets pulled off. Yeah. I, well. I especially like examples of the, the, the examples of coincidence that violate all of our rules here that somehow we right. s- sort of culturally agree, ho- hang, hold up. We right? just take them. Yeah. We just take them. Um, to some degree. So, all right, there's that. That was my only follow-up. So we're into the news of the week. But updates, uh, I guess this feels like it happened a billion years ago, but I guess it's been a couple of weeks. (laughs) Uh, I linked to it in today in books, I believe, or maybe you did. One of us wrote it. Look, Dayquil has done a number on my intermediate term (laughs) memory for who wrote what in today in books. So I apologize in advance for either making you take credit for something I wrote or um, horning in on something that you wrote. But Matthew Vaughn confirmed that the um, writer of Argyle was actually two British mid-list thriller writers in a trench coat. And yep. um, that's really what it is. And no one cares. And no one saw no the one movie. Cares. And everyone who is involved in the Argyle project today is probably wishing they weren't. Uh, honestly, depending <laughs> yeah. on the reviews and this particular ploy and everything not else. Not good. Yeah. The most interesting thing about this whole book and movie combo was not even that interesting. And no. that's not great for everybody. I know a couple people who have been to see it and the reviews have been universally like, oh my God, no, don't go. And I was like, I, have I failed you by not telling you about this in advance? How did you end up even going to see this movie? Right. I think there's still a good chance when this comes to Apple TV Plus that my family will watch it like nine o'clock on a rainy Sunday morning. I you think know, you know we get you get what you're looking for here. The, uh, uh, but other than that, I'm not sure. The only like it was fine review that I've heard was someone who took their two kids to see it, twelve year olds, and they were like, "Yeah, this is fine." The, the, there's a cat in a backpack, and they're like right. kicking stuff. That the, yeah, there's a certain <laughs> threshold there that it beats. Um, so I don't think we're going to see any more Argyles. Um, um, happening Let here i don't know what lesson. else to say yeah i said it no i did write this in today's books i remember it's like this idea of we're not sure who wrote this or made this thing i don't think it's ever worked like everyone mm-hmm. ends up being geraldo rivera in front of an empty basement saying well i guess maybe al capone once had something in here this doesn't work no <laughs> one cares it never turns out to be anything interesting i can't think of one example it's like the secret author of Thing X was Y. Even one that's a real reveal, like the Galbraith rolling yeah. thing, not no that interesting because no one cared it's about not, the book. Yeah. It's not that interesting. I, I can't. I just don't see it. Right. So, I just, anyway. Yeah. I hope publishers learn their lesson from this. And also, like, Swifties just slow down a little on the Easter egg hunts. Is there is there a is there a Lucy and Charlie Brown in football situation with Taylor Swift rumors like this? Do the Swifties mm. like after a while get some exposure therapy? Like my base case <laughs> should be now that Taylor Swift is not going to parachute I out of a plane so. singing the national anthem. <laughs> She's you know? busy. Yeah, I just at some point you got to be like how many times <laughs> am I going to try to kick this football and land on my ass on TikTok? I mean, she's got this tour. She's got Travis Kelsey. She also has to overturn democracy for the deep state. She does not have time to write a novel. Yeah, right. <laughs> I I don't know. So let let this be lesson to us all. It's not Taylor Swift. It's either BTS, someone you've never heard of, or it's also someone you've never heard of. Yeah, just from two midlist authors in a trench coat. Absolutely. It's very much what it turned out to be here. Uh, I think this this warranted from me the rare all caps text to you at some non work mm, hour, which mm-hmm. I try not to do. Um, 
but it, it was worth out. it. Was this an appropriate use of texting you outside yeah, of work hours in all caps? Yes, okay. yeah. The bat phone is for announcements like this. Absolutely, that's right. And the I don't I'm not looking at my phone right now, but like I think it Jen, Jen Ortega as the robot could work. I believe Rebecca is that what was that the substance of my time? Oh, I think it was a little more excited than that. Oh, a little and, more. Okay, yeah, maybe I dropped an yeah. f bomb, or maybe even used my, a rare exclamation point. There was an seven exclamation for the year. point. Wow, I need to write this down. I got to write exclamation this down point. We, you you have used it, yeah, for the news that Amy Adams is in talks to star opposite Jenna Ortega in the adaptation of Clara and the Sun. There's no way that Jenna Ortega is anybody but Clara in this. Would um, it be wild if Amy Adams was the robot? I guess it's possible. <laughs> oh, that would be that would be wild. My guess is that Jenna Ortega is Clara and Amy Adams yeah. is the mom, the mom of the teenage girl that right. Clara is a companion. Oh, this is an which, article that actually does do one of those things of like Clara parentheses Ortega an artificial oh, good. friend. Okay. So it doesn't yes. doesn't come out and say it, say it. But oh yeah, there the it is. And Adams, yeah. um, purchased by a mother, Adams. Okay, right. So our guesses were correct and we just didn't read closely <laughs> yeah. enough. Um, but I, I have a real put it in my veins feeling about this. Um, it's a more straightforward story than like Never Let Me Go is. And the adaptation yeah. of that is pretty good. Um, adapting Ishiguru, quite a challenge, but he is executive producing this. Take Watiti is involved. Uh, he's going to direct. I just put this in my veins. I think there's a, I have a high confidence index in this team of people with this story. I wonder where they're going to set it. The book feels like it's set in a like unnamed version of uh, England. There's a lot of countryside. Near future quasi dystopia countryside. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, um, my only concern, I mean, Ortega has to this point made stock and trade of being, I guess, really drafting off the Aubrey Plaza, mm-hmm. stern, emotionless, uh, flippant, and yet lovable and aw shucks kind of automaton to some degree my only concern is i don't i don't think you could play clara for laughs and both ortega and plaza and they they had this really great appearance together i think of the academy awards or oscars or or, um grammys or something where they're like kind of riffing that they are they kind of have the same spot of uh affect less latinas to some degree the fear and this happens in wednesday which my kids love and was a phenomenon Mm -hmm. by the way and i thought ortega was wonderful in it is that her flat affect is played as sort of a straight person like for other pan. jokes. And then she also jokes about her own deadpanness. And Waititi, again, this speaks to Waititi. Now, again, if this is Ang Lee, I'm not like, this is going to get too broad. But Waititi and Ortega, there's a way of even doing this could be too broad. So I think mm-hmm. this could be very cool. But I also think the um, the ceiling actually got higher but the floor actually got lower to me, if that makes sense. I think that makes this sense. Could turn yeah. out. And I did just pull up my phone. There was no exclamation point, so you okay, still have good. one. I thought so. To use for yeah, the I year. thought. But it I was thought one of my horcruxes was still out there. I didn't think one of my horcruxes had been destroyed. So I, <laughs> no emoji though. It was the rare though. Jeff O'Neill yeah. all full. The whole text was all caps, which like never happens. Yeah. And okay. it said Jenna Ortega as the robot totally works. It wasn't a, like totally could works. work. It was like yes, this totally works. And I just said oh, OMG. <laughs> Right now, yep. let's do it. Um, May their I guess efforts the other, succeed. The other two pieces of critical act piece of casting will be the daughter for whom the robot is mm-hmm. purchased, and then the mad robot scientist and husband yeah. will be the five major characters there. I guess there's another male friend, I think, for the daughter yeah. that and comes into play at some There point. are some, you know, like sort of interstitial set pieces that yeah. it'll be interesting to see what they do with those. Like the, there's that big construction implement yeah. that Clara gets kind of obsessed with and that works really well in the book. How are they going to do that first section? Like, yeah, how are they gonna where do she's it? just standing there in the store. Mm-hmm. Voiceover, probably, I would think. Um, I would think so, yeah. But how how much patience will yeah. Watiti have for that? I don't have a sense of right. I hope that mm. uh, Ishiguro can have you know like a tempering effect. This is also making me realize I would watch a reality show about Ishiguro and Take Watiti working together. <laughs> like what That's different a really dynamics? Good point. That's a really strong point. I like that a great deal. Did you ever watch Project Greenlight back in the day? The, in the show? early ones, like the first two yeah. seasons. Yeah, the, the LaBeouf one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shaker Heights, Battle of Shaker Heights. Mm-hmm. I found that completely enthralling. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Completely enthralling. So for those of you yeah. who don't know, this was Ben Affleck and, and Matt Damon's 
Bravo series that was basically behind the scenes of making of a, making a movie soup to nuts, like screenplay, casting, the whole thing. It was yeah, amazing. It was, right. It was a competition, right? Like people submitted scripts the screen or screenplays, plays, I believe, and they picked yeah. the winner and then produced it. And it was fascinating. Fascinating. I, I really remember loving it. I think they did some more recent I think they like, did remake of, too. you know, they brought it back. Um, I haven't seen any of those, but I, I do. I just like inside workplace stuff yep. you know i would love to watch like be a fly on the wall in the writer's room um i loved that about especially studio 30 and it's one season <laughs> way back 60. in the day studio 60 right that 30 yes. rock and studio 60 came yeah out at that's the same time. not not an unsurprising um yeah uh, but that kind of that kind of vibe um creative workplaces shocking that we find that interesting but yeah give me ishiguru and watiti give me behind the scenes i'm here for that um let's see it's a lot of like, i guess we have a big run of adaptation news of where adaptation do you want to go so are you gonna you're not a gene austin person but you you have so, this who's gonna watch these hallmark channel adaptations <laughs> tell me about how i can square okay. the circle of this <laughs> okay so the hallmark channel is celebrating the month of love Uary in february that is that's, indeed what a room full of people decided to call it <laughs> think of what they didn't pick i know <laughs> And they've got four original Hallmark films that are inspired by Jane Austen coming out this month. It's one each Friday. So by the time y'all are listening to this, two or three of them will be out. Um, I think that I am actually the right audience for this. Like, I've watched the first one. The first one is called Paging Mr. Darcy. And it's about an uptight Jane Austen scholar who is going off to an annual Jane Austen convention that is like part academic conference and part Fan Charlie Kaufman esque self referentiality going on. Here. Okay, I hear this. All <laughs> yes. right. So she's going, she's giving the keynote speech, and she needs to impress a fellow Austin scholar who is on the hiring committee for a position at Princeton that she has applied for. Uh, she also is falling for a man who works for the convention playing Mr. Darcy while this happens. And, like, you know, she's uptight and he is uh, sort of this carefree actor who's playing this romantic figure. And of course, they yeah. find each other hijinks. Hideous and, and they never talk again, <laughs> curtain. <laughs> right. Uh, they kiss at the very end. It's a Hallmark movie. Okay. Um, so there's that one. There is one um, that's the one that I think is most interesting is a full just like adaptation straight up of sense and sensibility that has a mostly Ah, black cast interesting Uh, so the hallmark channel right taking a page from netflix's book with more diverse casting of a regency Mm. era romance netflix did really well with that with bridgerton i'm curious about it and the other two it frankly it doesn't even matter what the other two are i think that i'm right in the zone for these because i just i like the occasionally the gentle ridiculous vibe of a hallmark movie and i'm yeah. not so invested in jane austen because i'm i'm not a fan i've never read sense and sensibility and i don't like pride and prejudice <laughs> so i'm not so invested that i'm gonna care about like they got these details wrong or that's not what wickham would have done or yeah whatever i can just i'm there for the vibe and i think that that is what like most people who have any kind of familiarity with Jane Austen have. Of course, there's the subset of like super diehard Jane Austen fans, and maybe they will watch these, and I don't know what their take is going to be. But my best guess was that Hallmark was like, you know what? People have some affection for Jane Austen and some sense that she wrote romantic things that are significant. Let's have. And you some know what? The story beats are free. This this is yeah. in the public domain, and people right. know what it is. So right. why not? And why not? You know, I was not sad that I spent like an hour and a half of my Saturday last week watching Paging Mr. Darcy. I'm going to watch the next couple. We'll just check in about them here. I mean, it's a Hallmark mm. movie. It's what you think a Hallmark movie is going to be. There's, you know, coincidences. Speaking of, they got some dings. They have some interrupted almost kisses. There's some bonnets. People wear a lot of bonnets. It's fine. Yep. It's fun. Join me. One of these should be called Persuasion, and it's about cat breeders. That's one that should definitely happen. Um, Sense and Sensibility, their rival uh, candle store, candle candle makers. Ooh, or perfumiers. Yeah, and Mr. Wickham could be in it, because he's... Um, Oh, Jack. What else else could we do? You got a lot of this energy stored up. Yeah, I mean, look... 
I've been in the basement for a week. I don't want you to. T- I don't know what to say. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, We're just glad you're back. I guess not a dissimilar idea, though, coming from a different angle. That um, Lifetime has signed mm-hmm. up Terry McMillan for a quote unquote slate of new original movies. So Terry McMillan, if you don't know, you should. How Stella got her groove back. Waiting Still being her two big mm-hmm. break breakout hits. Um, big How Stella got her groove back. Got a groove back was a huge bestseller, yeah, and really a phenomenal, great. a phenomenon of its own kind. Um, say, why don't you come do movies for us and help us write some of these? And this seems super smart. Get someone who makes the best version of these um, and can tell stories of black women and black people. That who knows what the executive board of Lifetime looks like, but I'm guessing it's you know we could maybe guess uh, mm-hmm. what it might look like, and. Sign up for, don't just do one, do a bunch. Um, so I think this is smart. The only, I can't I really too. think, I guess they do overall deals like this with like showrunners, like the Ava Duner- mm-hmm. Duvets of the, uh, Duvernay's of the world. And what's the guy that's uh, Ryan Murphy's and yeah. those kind of people. No, those are showrunners. They're writers as well. But writing stories and making the shows are related but distinct tasks. And you get the brand a little bit too, right? People who mm-hmm. are going to be interested in the ter- Terry McMillan like story are probably already know the name. I think this is smart. I say give yeah. give make give Andy Weir a deal at Sci-Fi. Uh, you know, yes. do all the give these these master I, genre writers a deal where they can have a funnel and a pipeline, and mm-hmm. they don't have to be making the movies, but outlining stories or maybe evaluating scripts and doing these other kinds of things. Um, I loved the examples you gave when you wrote about this and today in books. Like yeah. you have the Andy Weir idea. I think you said give Gillian Flynn a deal. Yeah. At Peacock. Like yes. Yeah. I think yeah. It, like Hallmark. Call up Emily Henry. You know. Well, where... I saw that. Well, I guess this was um, Reese is adapting um, um, romantic comedy. So that's Curtis, not mm-hmm. Emily. Sit and felt, but it's. Yeah. I mean, come on. Let's. We're all in the same vein here. Mm-hmm. But sign up a bunch of them. Just, just sign yeah. them up. Sign them up. You can even skip the book part if you want. Um, mm-hmm. You can go right to mm-hmm. film. So getting this. a little closer to the metal, cooking up for a longer series of time. Be interesting to see. I don't know how many. I hope she's getting a big, fat chunk of money um, for this as well. Interesting woman, Terry McMillan. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, I was so excited. This is going to be, for those of us who are aficionados of hats in movies... <laughs> A gentleman in Moscow (laughs) is going to be a feast for the eyes and heart. Um, And And facial hair. Velvet coats, Um, yeah. uh, The coats, hats, and facial hair of a gentleman in Moscow are going to be, whatever whatever costume designer, (laughs) this this is like, this is the best thing you could have gotten. If you didn't get Beyonce's (laughs) world tour, you want a gentleman in Moscow for for costume design. And now I really want you to grow a mustache. Well, you're going to be waiting for a while because I want unshaved, unshaved <laughs> for three weeks, and I can't grow a mustache. I, I'd have to do some chia seed. Oh, There's no, I got no shot at yeah. I can grow the neck this beard, is, which is the least attractive single. Not the look. The facial hair. It's not the no, look. You and McGregor does not approve. Uh, no. This this does look great. I'm going to finally get on the Amor Tolls train. I'm going to read myself. A gentleman in Moscow, so that we can it's talk great. about this adaptation. I know, and I'm I am a hundred percent sure that I'm going to be texting you like Jeff. It turns out that people like things that are good. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't great. know, the gentleman in Moscow, uh, it's the, the main character. I forget his name. He's a count or something. It doesn't matter. Russian dude. Alexander Ilyich Rostov. Yeah, that's what all their names are. Um, I failed my pri- uh, <laughs> my uh, crime and punishment character exam a million years ago. Raskolnikov, Razumikin, same person. Who cares? Um, anyway, so the inciting incident here is that this count is basically living in this upscale Moscow hotel. Um, he has got family money, but he doesn't want to go back to the the farm or the the, the boonies where he's from. He's got a desk full of gold coins that he sort of lives off of. And then it turns out, if you're living as an aristocracy in Moscow in 1917, things don't always go great for you. Um, And he, (laughs) I don't think this is giving it away, strikes a deal with the powers that be not to get basically his head cut off or exiled as Mm -hmm. long as he stays in the hotel. And so the story is him living in the hotel over the next several decades of Russian history and what happens and the relationships he forms. Um, 
really, really great stuff. So a wonderful novel. Uh, I would make an excellent play. I always thought it would make a great play because it has oh, interesting. a few rooms you could set it in. Mm-hmm. But it looks like they're doing the full up. We're getting all the period things <laughs> in here. We, maybe we get someone that wanted to do the production design for Chernobyl. And would you mind backing it up 70 years? And here we go. The hats of yeah. the soldiers in this are already ridiculous. <laughs> they look like the lollipop guild from Wizard of Oz. I'm they sure do. it's period correct, but they are so dumb. <laughs> they're the dumbest nipple felt hats you've ever seen. It looks like, other than the nipple felt hats, it looks like a real feast for the eyes. And McGregor did grow his own mustache. The Vanity Fair piece even opens. He he wakes up with a full mutton chops if he's not careful, as far as I can (laughs) tell. I am. Um, I didn't even make it all the way down to when, when and when is this? Is a streamer? Is this on it is, TV? Yeah, what is it's this? It's coming out March 29th, so not much longer to wait oh, on Paramount baby. Plus. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so since we'll I now subscribe to everything, I, I realized yep, over being sick that we're actually subscribed to everything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't cancel my free trials, and I've got Tubi and yep. Fubi and Boo Boo and Mimi <laughs> and all the subscription and Michelle's services. Michelle's secret right. Hallmark Channel knockoff. Yeah. <laughs> did I not tell you what it's called? You did, but I, I forgot. Like, uh, it's it's friendly TV, and I think this like there's no vowels in friendly, or just an I, or just an E, or something. F R N D L I. It's it's actually broadcast off a ship in the Balkans. <laughs> yeah, I off the, in the Caspian, in the middle of the Caspian Sea. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, we'll come back. From looking forward to that. Week. Yeah, mid April, yep. we're going to talk about that on the show here. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, a court. Of Thorns and Roses, the series which was going to be called, and maybe we will be called The Court of Thorns and Roses. I was trying to edit myself. I was like, wait, which one of these things is it? The book is A Court, but I guess the series was Mm -hmm. going to be called, or maybe will be called The The Court of Thorns and Roses. Interesting. Um, There was a uh, miscommunication about this. I linked to it saying they scrapped this thing, and then Hulu's like, maybe we didn't. Uh, but I, so I don't know, is there, what is happening here? Why are we getting the story? Was it just a mistake? I, the original piece was in Hollywood Reporter, which typically doesn't screw up stuff like yeah. this, but I and don't, the correction, I can't, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. The first correction that I came across was in Vulture and then the Hollywood Reporter updated yeah. their piece. I don't know what happened. I think, you know, Occam's razor is it's the most boring, easily explainable <laughs> version it probably right. was just some weird someone flapped their gums and was wrong yeah yeah or it got you know lost in translation in some way um but there are no plans to do anything it says here at the vulture piece that the rumor died almost as quickly as it started vulture confirmed the project is still in development at hulu um there's no word on any casting news so far but it's back in the news sphere and so the uh, Alejandra Gularte at Vulture is like, maybe this will light a fire for Hulu to make some moves. So it's in development. That doesn't mean we're ever going to see it. I kind of think my theory of the years. case of when I wrote about this still kind of holds that there's th- maybe three things going into this. So I linked to the story when it was dead and I said, okay, I can see three stories of why this is dead. One is the gold rush adaptations is finally over. I've been calling mm-hmm. it for the last seven years. So, you know, Every, every decade or so, I get one of these right. So the money is drying up. The second thing might be, even if you weren't going to, even if the money hadn't dried up, do you want to spend it on a, a big fantasy? Because this isn't just right. expensive. This is ex- Fantasy is even more expensive. Gentle in Moscow is going to be plenty expensive. Those Apple TV things are plenty expensive. Yeah. This is going to be more expensive than... This is going to be House of Dragon expensive. Right. Yeah. The project well. was announced in 2021 when we were all yeah. still kind of locked in our houses and we had not gone over the hump of peak streaming. Right. Yeah. Interest rates and, were at zero and everyone right. was watching shit. And Romanticy was early and you could still spend a billion dollars to make a show for a streamer. Mm-hmm. But those things are not true anymore. And the I think the like excitement about this is already starting to wane. So if they don't have casting news yet, we're still a couple years away from seeing this thing. Like if they started it today, it would take them at least a year to film it yeah. and edit it and do the whole situation. And who knows what the appetite for Sarah J. Moss is going to be by then, but a, a five or six year gap between the start of a project that's based on the big TikTok literary phenomenon and the time it actually sees the light of day does not bode well for audiences to still be hungry for it. Well, and you wonder who who's further along the 
fourth wing Empyrean saga or this because mm. it's hard for yeah. me to believe there's going to be room for two of these yeah they're going to do the thing they want to do with the budget they're going to want to do um and in my civilian life fourth wing has much more brand awareness than the sarah j Maas. and some of it is because there's only one series for yaros there's only fourth wing where we're on we're on the crescent city saga four or something i don't mm-hmm. even know what the one that just came out is <laughs> like this is like four series ago. i'm not kidding like yeah, it matters yeah. right and- and, right. I think Moss has like, uh, it's a smaller fandom and they are more into her than yeah. the fourth wing fans, which there are more of them and it's a shallower pool. So it's far much more like Brandon Sanderson. Right. It's more brand, I mean, yes. it's, I think sells more copies, but it feels Brandon Sanderson shaped where fourth wing is like, I don't know. It's like it has the awareness of not right now of something like where the crawdads sing plus yeah, the fantasy elements. It's had the where it was this. It's the size of like Crawdads, Fifty Shades. Yeah, you know right. all those the right. Colleen Hoover uh-huh. thing. Like that's the book, Fourth Wing. That series. Those are the books that people who don't usually read for fun are picking those up. And I think right. Sarah J. Moss has gotten folks who are who are readers of some ilk, and maybe she's their gateway drug to romanticy, and they get super into it. Or she does have a really devoted fandom, but she does. If if I had to put money on one of those coming out in an adaptation that has something that looks like success, I would be betting on Fourth Wing. I think I would too. Um, though she, I mean, the most recent book, number one, selling hundred thousand copies, Bloomsbury, uh, Bloomsbury, Bloomberg, mm-hmm. Bloom, Bloomsbury had their um, twenty twenty three financial results came out last week. Yeah. They're up. They're like, they call her out. I mean, they're yeah, making they're ramping things up because of her. Yeah, because of her. Yeah. Now we'll see if that goes. All right, let's do a sponsor break. And uh, do a little entertainment diet. All right, why don't you go first? What have you been into and up to okay. in reading? I read Splinters by Leslie Jameson. Skipped okay, ahead and- a couple weeks. It's so good. Yeah, look. <laughs> I just want the 20th, Leslie right, Jameson. Tuesday, I have it on my account. My new yes, next calendar. week. I just want her to write about her life forever. This is the memoir about having a baby and getting divorced and then like starting to date. And all of that happens during the pandemic. And it's complicated and messy and so human in exactly the ways that Leslie Jameson is really great at capturing. I read it in like one and a half big sittings. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does the thing that or it does a thing that's really hard to do in memoirs, which I think is like, if you are a memoirist who's self-aware and heavily therapized, capturing the like, Mm. in the moment, human messiness of the experience instead of the post-therapy processed version that's like much less interesting. Interesting. And And Jameson captures that. She gets right to like, here's this thing that happened with this guy I was dating. And where it came from for me and how I was feeling in the moment. And then like later on, I talked to a friend and later on, I talked to my therapist and I came to figure out it was blah, blah, blah. But the the version of that that works a lot less well is one I've been running into in memoirs where it's like, here's yep. the thing that happened and here's the moment. And I acted from a place of blah, 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 blah. Here's the Velveeta you know, like, <laughs> cheese processed dairy product <laughs> Which, version of it right, I came out like, the other side with. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, first of all, therapy for everyone anytime they need it i'm deeply in favor it's just not helpful or interesting to tell the story fully from that place like memoir does not it's not as relatable um Mm. or and it doesn't feel as authentic as when you're like here's what it was in the moment this was the mess now i also have come to understand it in these following ways and she does she does that really beautifully Mm. like you're you're both in the moment as it occurs and then kind of along the ride with her as she's processing some of those things and as she's making sense of it um she's just it kind of feels like she's thinking out loud with us along it was really good of course it was um i read attention span by gloria mark which is about how our attention works she's a um, psychologist who does research where like she installs basically keystroke software on your computer and tracks how long you spend on a tab before you move on to another one and it's horrifying the average is like 47 seconds yeah Um, (laughs) it's horrifying it's not good 
<laughs> nope. And then it takes like 25 minutes on average for people to come back to the original thing they were doing. So like, no Ooh. wonder we feel scattered when we try. <laughs> that's so worse boring. than I would have thought. I would be prepared for bad, but that's very bad, Rebecca. <laughs> it's very bad, Jeff. It's very bad. If you look at two things an hour, you're cooked. You are basically yeah. a, yes. you're basically the Christmas ham. Oh man, uh-huh. that's terrible. And it is terrible. And she also has good frameworks for how you can try to address this in some ways in your life that she's not promising magic, but it's stuff like, uh, you know, don't take your breaks from your computer work. Like if you're a knowledge worker, don't take your computer break by like picking up TikTok or something that is designed and to that's suck it, you ever. in. Just don't ever pick up. <laughs> just, just don't ever pick just up. Just I don't mean, ever pick up TikTok. If you don't, if you don't know how algorithms work, she explains them in the book. And the yeah. stuff about TikTok made me feel very affirmed and like don't, I'm never do you getting feel on the like, clock. I had this thought the other day. This reminds me of it. Um, you know, when I'm in my quarantine, I'm like the mm-hmm. Count of Monte Cristo down there, just thinking stuff, <laughs> just thinking about uh, stuff. Just I'm just someday I'm going to be free. And I'm going to unleash these takes on the world. I feel like someday we're going to get the RJR Reynolds memo that Facebook or TikTok, they, they did a study about how bad this crap is for you mm-hmm. and they bury it and there's going to be hearings, right? Yes. I, like Michael, some, there's going to be some version of Michael Mann's insider about yeah. you know these social well, media companies, how they've engineered it within oh, an inch yeah. of our lives to get us into we're these things. already, I think, on the early days of that, where yeah. we're finally recognizing how bad it is for kids, and folks are getting dragged into Congress to <laughs> But wait a minute, themselves. I'm not that different than a kid. Right. And, yeah. and so she's like, okay, so think about the mode that your break, like the form of the break that you're taking, so that it actually gives your attention a rest, and then you can come back to the thing that you're paying attention to and feel right. fresh. So you like you don't want to TikTok because that'll suck you in longer. You don't want to go read news on your break because that is very likely to leave some kind of residue. Is the word she yes. uses where you're you're still thinking about it. News when you come residue back. that's gross. I mean, that's it sounds. Disgusting. I mean, it's as bad. Who wants as it a part sounds. of that? That's it right. Feels so right. It's, it's not. She's it's like, not undescriptive of what happens when you. Really right. She doesn't news. say exactly what you should do but she gives you like the flavor of the thing Mm. that you should try to do so like my the thing i've been trying because bob and i are going through a a jigsaw puzzle phase this winter in our house is if i'm like i got five minutes in between calls and i don't want to be bouncing between tabs i tell my little you know sentient puck that lives in my living room to set a timer for five minutes and then i go just like noodle on a jigsaw puzzle for five minutes And it does like it gives me. Yeah, it's rote attention. Pay rote attention to something where like it's engaging, Mm. but you don't have to work hard. And there's uh, she also recommends like the two dots game on your phone for something like that. Um, I found it really useful. Uh, Equal parts useful and horrifying. I wrote about it in depth for Better Living in Books, uh, Better Living Through Books. So if you want to like really go deep, um, you can check that out at the Substack. Just listen to Get the Picture by Bianca Bosker on audio. Ah. And? Are you not there? It's good. It's really good. Yeah. I loved, uh, the, I mean, I, we both loved Cork Dork, where she like dives Indeed. into the world of wine and becomes a sommelier. And this is about trying to get into the world of fine art, uh, which is equally, if not more, uh, like suspicious of an outsider who's trying to get in. <laughs> right. Because you and I can and, go have a glass of nice wine. We, you know, we could throw down 40 bucks for a right. glass of wine at a restaurant. Uh, we cannot go buy a, a small Rembrandt or something, right. even if we were trying to yeah. dabble. And so she like gets a job as a guest gallery assistant at a small art gallery in New York and learns to speak the lingo and then sort of like becomes friends with different artists and goes on studio visits. And it's like a five-year project that Mm. she goes on. I, as a person who likes art, but doesn't really know much about it, it's kind of the same relationship I have to wine of like, I know what I enjoy, but I couldn't really tell you why. Um, I felt like I learned a lot and it also demystified that world. It's a lot of it is, you know, like the emperor has no clothes. Um, she does a, a nice job there. It was fun. It was a good listen. Um, and then a love song for Ricky Wilde by Tia Williams. I read uh, which you wrote about a little bit. In the, yeah, in the that was the one that I was like, I need somebody to talk to me about this who's already read it. Um, I loved the vibe. It's set in Harlem. Um, she does some, it moves between 2023 and the early 1920s during the Harlem Renaissance. You get like great jazz stuff. It has a real ambiance the characters are funny and punny like there are some o'neill level puns the main character is a florist and her instagram account is called botany flowers lately oh that's very good Mm -hmm. i like Uh that right yeah 
Uh, there's stuff like that. There were some supernatural elements I wasn't expecting and that just aren't really my jam, but I really mm. enjoyed the writing. So like, I'm not okay. sad that I read it, but it wasn't a home run okay. for me. So Fair those enough. are mine. Yeah. Tell me about your 23 movies. Uh, movies. I'm trying to think of how to make this interesting in any kind of way to anyone that's not me. Let me start here because um, both you and I love the book, Leave the World Behind. And mm-hmm. I don't know that you did. You watch I have not the watched it. it? I did watch it. Would you like to hear my thoughts? Are you in a way? Are you going? I to want to hear it? your you thoughts. No, the reviews were so mixed that I was like, I'm not in a hurry. Maybe I'll get to it someday. Um, it. I don't know if I would have liked it better if I had not read the book. Hmm. I think the book, the the film, did not trust the material enough. It added stuff. It added more spectacular kinds of things. And they'll be plainly... You will not have to go remind yourself if something did or didn't happen in the book. Ah, okay. If you think it didn't, it did not happen in the book. <laughs> All right, good And some know. of that is to make it feel more cinematic, I, I guess, because there's like big weirder stuff that happens. And what if a bunch of Teslas run over each other in the highway? And it didn't trust what I thought was the great, the great achievement um, Alam had in Leave the World Behind of not doing too much, not mm. saying too much, not explaining too much. Style, the style is very spare and very withdrawn. Sam Ismail, the director, like he does these overhead camera shots and moving around and there's a lot of like really obvious, creepy stuff is happening, music. And I thought one of the pleasures of Leave the World Behind, insofar as you can call it a pleasure, is the creeping normalcy of this abnormal mm. thing happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. And I think that was the thing is that you could imagine like I probably would react a lot like this or 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 at least within the one or two standard deviations it would probably feel a lot like this. And I can imagine it ha- if it did happen that there was some unnamed global event and I was in an Airbnb in Montauk I this could be how it feels where mm-hmm. I thought he did that really leave, well. It did that very well and leave the world behind just exaggerates so much, not exaggerates, just highlights, stylizes, puts a hat on a hat and a button on a button every single mm-hmm. time it was available. And there's a couple of minutes where he, where Ismail doesn't do that that work really great, where Maharshala and Julie Roberts are just dancing to a vinyl record downstairs. And nice. there's the camera steady and it's just them doing a thing in the weirdness. There's a scene with... There's a scene, if you've read the book, you know that Kevin Bacon plays a contractor friend slash friend of, as we find out, more of a, less of a friend than the, the, the husband thinks. That's just them talking weirdly about a weird situation the way that probably 45-year-old dudes of different economic, not economic classes, but different political classes mm. would actually talk about something like this. But every time Ismail felt like he had a chance to try to be Hitchcock, it felt like he tried to be Hitchcock or wanted to be Hitchcock and didn't want to get out of the way of the material. And that's what I really wanted it to do because I don't think it needed much seasoning. The ingredients were good. Yeah, It didn't need were. that much seasoning. Okay. So anyway, I think it's still still worth watching um, if, if only to see um, how much it diverged or, or different choices you can make. Like there's a cut of it I think that's probably a lot better uh, to be mm. perfectly honest with you. I caught up on some stuff that I know Michelle would never want to watch. This is, I mean, this okay. is like me on a plane, right? Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. What I you don't do really, I, I don't even really like horror, but I knew that Get Out is like one of my cultural blind spots, so I watched Get oh, Out. Oh yeah, night, back to back. Oh, that's a big swing. Yeah, it was back fine. I mean, it's okay. fine. Uh, and one thing, Get Out again, it's it's awesome, and I won't say anything more about it. But I did, it, I watched it f- close enough behind Leave the World Behind. It's like, oh, this because that's a very yeah. strange. But it's played very straight. Mm-hmm. There's not much flourish. That it's played is what very, very unflourished. Yeah, what an interesting just moment to have two pieces of media yeah. back to back. Because Get Out does have that like slowly creeping yes. horror that's not overdone, and it's like pitch perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I again, maybe if I hadn't seen Get Out right after, I wouldn't have. A, there was something rubbing me the wrong way about Leave the World Behind, mm-hmm. and it was clarified, or at least articulated to some degree to yeah. seek it out. Uh, what's weird is I didn't love, a, I mean, I liked Get Out. I like, I'm not a horror fan, but I certainly appreciate that. I was meh on the holdovers. I don't know why. I'd never oh, seen okay. everything everywhere all at once. I was like, oh, that's okay. I like that. I've seen, mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen the source material that it's drawing from um, as much as anything with that. 
I guess one, and I knew I was going to like it. It's Mank, um, David Fincher's oh, yeah. adaptation of his dad's screenplay about Henry Mankiewicz, who wrote the screenplay to Citizen Kane. True story starring Gary Oldman. I mean, it ticks all of my boxes. All mm-hmm. the literary dads out there, you know who you are if you haven't seen <laughs> Mank. I need to text my own dad to say, Dad, have you seen Mank? That's how much of a dad movie it was. I need to engage the father um, signal. Um, catching on some stuff I never saw. Power of the Dog. Turns out that was really good. Yep. It was good. Um, saw Knives Out 2. Also very good. Mm-hmm. Rebel mm-hmm. Moon, That's which I heard time. was bad, but I wanted to watch, was very bad. Um, <laughs> I love this for you. Yeah. The Pigeon Tunnel, which is the Apple TV Plus documentary uh-huh. about Jean Le Carré. Yeah. Pretty weird. Again, Pretty not weird. trusting the interviews. Let's do yeah. Ken Burns. We don't need all these weird cuts. How many yeah. times do I need to see your B-roll of a pigeon actually flying out of a and tunnel? I get it. Like, it's a metaphor. Leave me alone already. I'm the not The reenactments did not work for me in the Doesn't pigeon tunnel. Doesn't work. Just give me John le Carre talking for an talking, hour and a half. Yeah. That's all we need. And, to, and like, yeah, it's fine. His stories are good. What I really want, I guess, is just a documentary about his dad. like Or a mm-hmm. novel about his, like Ronnie um, the Swindler. Amazing stuff. I'm glad yeah, I watched you, it, but it, it could kind of keep it on there. Did you watch Robert Downey Jr.'s documentary about his dad? I did. I did. I thought that it, was better. I, th- I thought yeah, that was better. That's after. kind of, I mean, Lucari obviously can't It do helps when your dad's alive, thing. yeah. Right, because his dad's <laughs> yeah. no longer alive. But something in that vein is also, that's what I wanted the Pigeon Tunnel to be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. I, we had a few nights we did rewatches where we put on, the. my family was upstairs on FaceTime. We watched Notting Hill together. We watched The Marvels mm. together. Always Sweet. a nice time. I'm thinking of ending things. Charlie Kaufman's adaptation of a book oh, yeah. that came out several mm-hmm. years ago. Pretty weird, Rebecca. I know. I, I know. <laughs> I I'm mean, ready Charlie for some Kaufman. weird. It was, I think, even weirder than I was expecting. Um, <laughs> Jesse Plemons and Jesse Buckley, uh, mm-hmm. and um, gosh, David Thewlis, and then Tony Collette in a chamber piece oh, that I can't even Tony describe Collette. it for you. Very weird crap. I yeah. I caught up on the one Wes Anderson I had not seen, The French Dispatch. I watched that. Okay, yeah, that's um, the first. The first one, the first vignette is excellent. The second two were um, Rococo yeah. nightmares of uh, <laughs> preciousness. Um, and no Anatomy of a Fall. Anatomy of a Fall. No hard feelings. The Jennifer Lawrence comedy. Vehicle. Oh yeah, uh-huh. had a had a fun time. Yeah, it's a good one. That was fun. It's fine. Friend Marvel. I watched Licorice Pizza, the Paul Thomas Anderson oh, movie yeah, that came out a couple yeah. years ago. I Fine. Again, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I feel like I've seen versions of this. I don't yeah. know. It was, it was good. But I usually I, like Paul Thomas Anderson, but I felt like I did not understand the big deal around Licorice Pizza. No. I mean, it's a very good version of what it is, but what it is yeah. is a 15-year-old and a 19, 29-year-old who kind of like each other and some other stuff happens. I don't yeah. Know. I'm okay. Um... That's pretty much it, I think, that I did. So I don't know. I, oh, Theater Camp. I guess that's one I picked oh, up. Oh, yeah. Um, did you camp see was Theater fun. Camp? I did. That was fun. Yeah. I started out, my first four where I'm just watching stuff to f- pass the time. So it was No Hard yeah. Feelings, Rebel Moon, Theater Camp, and Knives Out too. And then I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to go catch up on some stuff that I probably won't see unless it's me in a room by myself mm-hmm. ever again. <laughs> so then I went Anatomy of a Fall, Power of a Dog, Mank, Licorice Pizza, The Pigeon Tunnel. <laughs> Anatomy of a Fall, I think, is the movie I saw in the last year that I was most surprised was not an adaptation of a literary work. Like it just it feels point. like a book. Easily um, could be. Did you like it? I did. I liked yeah. it. Um, I loved all the courtroom scenes. Like I remember yeah. coming home from the movies and telling Bob, like, I just had no idea how different French courts are from. You could just courts. say stuff, Rebecca Shinsky. You can you just, just like, talk. You just, you just, say, you just talk. <laughs> yeah, off just off the bench. The peanut guy was like, "Wait a minute, what about this?" Like, okay, that's fine. I guess you have a different yeah, colored robe it, on, but whatever. Right? Yeah, that was fascinating. I was like, "Whoa!" Um, I like all the ambiguity around it. I loved how much it upset some people that it was left unanswered it kind of felt to me oh, like the response i did wonder to the about of- that i'm immune to that kind of stuff i think you are yeah. as well as literary yeah. fiction fans i like that i'm like yeah, yeah trust too. me to think about it on wasn't my that own. the point um, wasn't that sort of the point right. of the whole thing anyway. yeah um and also that instrumental version of 50 cent p-i-m-p that plays like that a key incredible. role it's really what a good dog stuff. performance. What a dog performance. You got worried there in the middle for the dog. I'm I sure. did. I did get worried yeah. for the dog. And I had a like, oh no, that the folks, the dog is okay. Um, the folks, the dog is okay. That was yep. 
yeah, that was an enjoyable one. I'm thinking now so, about like what would I watch in a week of isolation? <laughs> it would probably be a similar arc of like you start with potato chips and then you get to some like, okay, I need some substance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I also had on my docket, I was going to try to get to May, December. I can't bring myself to press play on that one for some reason. I would be really interested in your take okay. on May, December. I wasn't as hot on it as everybody else was. I thought it was interesting, but like, I wouldn't give it a Best Picture nomination. Yeah, there's a couple. Of, I still haven't seen Oppenheimer because I want to watch it on the big TV, but I'm not sure who's mm-hmm. going to watch it with me, and it's like nine hours long, so... Yeah. Um, I'll probably watch that when I get COVID again next year or the year after. <laughs> you know, they have brought it back to a bunch of theaters along with some of the other They're Oscar on 70 nominees. 70 millimeter here in Portland, but I'm not going to It's make worth, it is no. worth seeing I would like the big to see. screen. Yep. All right. And you know, right. the, the most painful part was I had four episodes of Masters of Air just sitting there for me, but I got to watch that with my family. So, was, yeah, we are through the first three here, and right. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. Yep. Sometimes what you order is what you want. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much for everyone listening. Shoot us an email podcast at bookride.com. Especially looking for coincidences of various degrees of success, full edge execution. Uh, show notes bookride.com slash listen. There's today in books. There's the Patreon. There's better living through books. I'm sure there's something I'm forgetting, but there'll be links to all those things in the show notes that in the podcatcher right now or at the show. Rebecca, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Glad you're back. 